0: But this morning, we're going to be continuing in Malachi. And so, last week, Pastor Jared gave us a, a good introduction to the book of Malachi and laid some great groundwork for us as to what the book is about and the different things that are going on in the book of Malachi. And we're going to continue for that and move into this first section, looking in Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. And the, the main point here in today's sermon is to look at God's awesome love for us, God's awesome love. And this is, this is such a huge topic throughout Scripture that when I looked at this text, there were so many different things that started to come into my mind, and there were so many different Scriptures that started to come into my mind, and you know, I almost had to come to Jared and ask if we could just go to VBS and have one big service this morning, and, and it would just roll straight in. And um, but I didn't do that, so we'll, we'll stick to the normal, the normal deal this morning. Um, but God's awesome love this is something that, that when I look at this passage, I feel very inadequate to cover completely. Um, because I struggle with understanding god 's love, I struggle with with accepting god 's love, and the truth of it is is that we all struggle to see god 's love. if we 're honest, we struggle to see god 's love for us. But we have been created to be loved, yet we live in a world with faults and incomplete definitions of what love is. Media depicts love as romance, benevolence, selfless sacrifice, pleasure, lust, admiration, and many others. Some of these are partial examples of love, and others are complete counterfeits of what love truly is. God created us to love Him and to love one another, but to find our full fill of love in Him alone. In other words, we are made to find our contentment, our everything, in God alone. But as people, as Christians that live in a world broken by the effects of sin, we often seek love in the wrong places. We doubt God's love. We try to deserve God's love. We seek love in the wrong places. Or we trust in other, some other definition of love that the world has defined. When this happens, we struggle to see God's love for us and slide into the complacency, the grumbling, and the apathy that Jared spoke of last week that is outlined in much of the rest of the book of Malachi. We struggle to see God's love for us. And so with this understanding of where we're at, would you please stand as we read from Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you ask, how have you loved us? Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? This is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I have loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. I turned his mountains into a wasteland and gave his inheritance to the desert jackals. Though Edom says we have been devastated, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of armies says this. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked country and the people the Lord has cursed forever. Your own eyes will see this and you yourselves will say, the Lord is great, even beyond the borders of Israel. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, as we look to your word, God, I pray that you would make clear your love for us. God, that you would take away any obstacles, any wrong definitions that we hold, or any preconceived notions of what love may be according to a worldly definition. And Lord, that you would help us to see your pure declaration and demonstration of your love today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. All right. So first off, we see in this first verse in our text today, verse chapter 2, I have loved you. We see that God has declared his love for us. God has declared his love for us. And as Jared talked about last week, there's a lot of other things in the book of Malachi where God calls out these different things through the prophet Malachi of how the people had fallen short. But first, before any declaration of condemnation, before any law is mentioned or any commandment, God declares his love for the people of Israel. And so grace is put before law. God always declares his love first when he looks towards his people and when he looks to us. We also see God's love declared throughout creation. Just in the very creation of the world of you and me, God's love is declared. And even more so when you look towards the creation of humanity, that God says in his image we are created. So not only has God seen fit to build this creation and, and speak into life all these different people and animals and plants and lands and waters that he didn't have to, that he didn't need to be content, that he did not need to be completely and fully satisfied in and of himself because God is 100% self-sustaining. But it was through his love, his quest to share that love with the world and with a humanity that he created. And created us in his image. But God has also declared his love for us in the Bible. It's something that, that we have that there's plenty of. There's in the back of the pews. It's full of, of God's declarations of his own love for us. When God comes and reveals himself to Moses in the book of Exodus and talks about who he is. He talks about being a God of steadfast love, who keeps steadfast love. Think of all the different things that God could have said about himself, all the many infinite attributes or capabilities that God has, and he chooses to focus on his steadfast love and mercy. Because when we think of who God is, when God gets the chance to express himself to humanity, that it, when it's documented in the Bible, he chooses to do so in his character of love. Yet we often look elsewhere for definitions of love. When we have the Bible that we can come to, In an age where there's more literate people and we have more access to scripture than probably any other time in the history of the world, we look other places for definitions of love. There's a poem that came to me that I think illustrates this well, even when we look for love with the right mindset. Many of you have probably heard it. It's called Footprints in the Sand. It says, One night I dreamed a dream... I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one belonging to my Lord. When the last scene of my life shot before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. There was only one set of footprints. I realized that this was at the lowest and saddest time of my life. This always bothered me. And I questioned the Lord about my dilemma. Lord, you told me when I decided to follow you, you would walk and talk with me all the way. But I'm aware that during the most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I just don't understand why. When I need you most, you leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you ever. During your trials and testings, when you only saw one set of footprints... It was then that I carried you. And so if you haven't heard that poem before, I would ask you to think about it. Because many times when we go through trials and struggles, we look for God's love, we look in the wrong places, or we look with the wrong perspective. We may instead see the difficulty of the context, or the hard work that we've put in, the greatness Of the need at hand or the unfairness of our struggles. But we must remember that God is greater than the difficulty. He's greater than our need and can work wonders far beyond any hardest work that we can work or anything that our greatest intellect can come up with. We must remember God's love for us. So, what happens when we miss God's love? What happens when we seek elsewhere? We likely seek the approval, the affirmation, and attention of people around us to feel the absence of the love of God. Because remember, we were created for God's love. God created us to be people that receive and give love. And so we're going to look for love in the absence of God's love when we miss, when we fail to see God's love. When we are sure of God's love for us, this frees us to love others instead of seeking out their love. It frees us from the fear of man, the need for approval. I think all of us can identify with the need for approval in some way, shape, or form. That fear that we get that if we do something or if we don't do something, we're going to fail to meet someone's expectations. Or we're going to make someone unhappy. We're going to fail to please them. We're going to do something that doesn't measure up because we have rooted our need for love in a person and not in the complete love of God that he has already declared for us, that he has already promised to us that we can trust fully in. So what do we do? We must... Go to the Bible to teach us what to look for for God's love in our life. This is because the world's definition of love is not what God's definition of love is. God focuses on the eternal state of your heart where the world seeks to appease the temporary state of our appetites and desires. So when we look to what the world says love is, it may seem easier in the short term, it may be comfortable. It may be convenient. It may feel good in the moment. But when we seek out God's love, we will see a love that is so much higher and that is so much deeper and that is so much more full than anything the world has to offer that we will never be left empty. We must go to the Bible to learn to discern God's love from the counterfeits of the world as well. Because loving is not just a good feeling that gives butterflies. Loving is not what's depicted in, the, in much of the media. But when we go to the Bible to see who God is and what his declaration of love is and what his demonstration of love looks like, then we can get the wisdom and discernment needed to discern from the world's counterfeits definitions of love. One passage that helps us that may be a familiar passage is 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about the many attributes of what love is. It talks about how love is patient, how love is kind, and gives us a really good picture of what it means to love. And that's just one passage in all of the Bible that we can turn to and say, hey, this is what God's definition of love is, and I can use this to measure my own definition. Make sure my definition reflects God's definition. Is what I'm calling love in my life reflected in the Bible? But thankfully, God has not only declared his love for us, but he has also demonstrated his love for us. In Malachi chapter 1, we see that God has demonstrated his love for Israel by choosing Israel to be his own it says that when Israel asks, how have you loved us following God's declaration of love the Lord responds with wasn't Esau Jacob's brother this is the Lord's declaration even so I loved Jacob but I hated Esau I turned his mountains into a wasteland and gave his inheritance to the desert jackals Though Edom says we have been devastated, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of armies says this This they may build, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked country, and the people of the Lord has cursed forever. Your own eyes will see this, and you yourselves will say, The Lord is great, even beyond the borders of Israel. So when we first look at this, we see this language of love and hate, and it can be a confusing passage. We can ask, why does God say anything about hating Esau or the people of Eden? But this passage is talking about the covenant relationship that God has with Jacob, with the people of Israel. And so when he says that, I have loved Jacob and I have hated Esau, what God is saying is, I have chosen Jacob. I have chosen Jacob. I have chosen Israel. And God's choice of Israel and his rejection of Esau is not some unjust action by God. Because if we're honest, we can look at ourselves and know that we've all fallen short. That there are many things that we've done that don't measure up to God's glory. That don't measure up to praising God with every second, with every breath that we have. But furthermore, if we look to to who the people of Edom were, if we think back to our Bible reading, if you're following the Bible reading plan with, with our church body here, we remember that when the Israelites were leaving Egypt and they were journeying through the promised land, that they had requested to pass through the land of Edom. And Edom rejected them. They wouldn't even let them pass through. And so when God talks about how Edom has rejected and they were a wicked people, it's not that God is projecting this proclamation onto the people of Edom. It's not that God is is causing them to sin or causing them to be wicked. God is simply proclaiming what has already happened here, what he has brought about. And in his love, he is saying, Jacob, I have loved Israel, can't you see that I've chosen you? You are my people, and this demonstrates my love for you. But we are also a chosen people. God has also demonstrated his love by choosing you, Christian. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please. If you have your Bible handy, we'll be in verses 1 through 3. or excuse me, chapter 1, 3 through 10. And Paul, the author of the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, says this in verses 3 through 10. Blessed is the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, According to his good pleasure, that he purposed in Christ, as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth, in Him. Notice that this great love of God shows that God shows us in choosing us to be His sons and daughter is demonstrated in and through. The person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the full demonstration of God's love for humanity. We all know the verses that say this. The the ones that are so common. John 3.16. How does it start out? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That he gave his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever may believe in him should not perish to have eternal life. We have such a great picture of God's love painted to us in the person, in the work, in the life, in the death, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But why do we struggle so much to take hold of that? Why do we struggle so much to to see that and stand in awe of God's work on the cross? of the life that Jesus lived, of the proclamation of love that he made and the demonstration that God makes through our salvation that's worked out in him. I think at least part of it has to do with our understanding of love that's brought about in our culture. We have so many books and so many movies and all this different media that tries to tell us what love is. And even on a... On the good side of all that, love has been reduced in many cases to a form of romance. And there is romance in love. And there's much romance found in the Bible. But love is not just about romance. It's not just about the relationship between a man and a woman. In marriage, love is much more and beyond the romantic love that we see in many of our films and books that talks about love. I would like to give an illustration to, that I think brings out some of the, the love that we miss much, m- much, time, much of the time in our culture by talking about a brief illustration of some Medal of Honor recipients. I'd like us to consider the accounts of Master Sergeant Gary Gordon and Sergeant First Class Randall Shugart. In Mogadishu, Somalia in 1993, these two men volunteered to be inserted into intense combat to protect the critically wounded crew of a downed helicopter against an enemy of far superior numbers. Outnumbered and with dwindling ammunition, both Master Sergeant Gordon and Sergeant First Class Shugart gave their lives to save the pilot of the helicopter, Chief, the helicopter pilot, Chief Warrant Officer Michael Durant. These men embarked on an attempt to save others, fully knowing the hazards of their choice, and died to save their fellow soldiers. So, why do I bring up a summary of a Medal of Honor citation when talking about God's love? It's because I believe that this helps balance out the picture of love that has been painted in our culture, even the good picture of love that we have. Would you turn with me to Romans 5, please? Starting in verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved? Through him from wrath. For if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Christ has given his life for us. We have a Savior. God's love is not just some mushy, Thing that's represented by hearts and cupids on valentine's day we have a savior who has gone through who has carried his cross and who has loved us to the point of death and that death was sealed and proclaimed sufficient with his resurrection christ has died for us while we were still his enemies and it was his death that makes us righteous, no longer an enemy. We are only justified in Christ. Ephesians 2 explains it by saying that we were dead in our sins. Dead people cannot help themselves. We were without hope on our own. As people who have chosen to follow our desires, instead of seeking God's glory with every breath, we deserve to be content, condemned by an eternity of punishment in hell. And we can do nothing on our own in our helpless condition. But then in Ephesians 2, verse 4, it says, But God, in his great love and mercy, it describes how he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live the perfect life that we have failed to live and to take on the punishment that we deserved by dying on the cross for our sins. And as we've stated before, he rose three days later. Signifying God's acceptance and the completion of our salvation. The fullness of God's love demonstrated in Jesus Christ. The key point to all this. If you haven't heard anything else, please listen here. I know I can be dry sometimes, so. God has demonstrated his love for us by choosing you to become his son or daughter, by choosing to accomplish this through the wiping away of sins that could only be accomplished through the death and resurrection of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. God's love should create in us a sense of awe. There should be a sense that we stand before God and look at how much he loves us and tremble and be in fear of a God who can love us with a love that's so great, that's so deep, that reaches so far beyond anything that we can fathom on our own that it should cause us to stand in awe. And it should drive our every thought, word, and action. When we truly see God's love for us, it should begin to work in us a love that loves others, that looks to others as people that God has created, as others that are made in the image of God. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, the apostle John says that, not that we love, but that God has loved us and that God's love is what works in us to love others. It's not some love that we conjure up on our own that, that now that we have this new knowledge of God, this new knowledge of God's love for us, that it, it somehow enables us to, to practice the same type of love. No. God's love through us shines through. God has loved us and in God's love he has changed us and now we can love others through that love that he has shown to us. But God's love also frees us from being in fear of what others think. That fear that we talked about, that concern that we talked about earlier of what others think about us, of not meeting expectations When we have a love that is rooted in the declaration of God's love and the demonstration of God's love through Jesus Christ on the cross, it frees us from the fear of what others think. And instead of worrying about what someone may think of of our actions or words, we stand in awe and are so fixated on the work of God through Jesus Christ that we are compelled, as the Apostle Paul puts it, to follow him. As we move to conclude, I'd like to read a a final passage from from Romans chapter 8. In verse 31, the Apostle Paul starts, he says, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the definition of God's love. That is. It's where we see what God's love is for us. is in the demonstration that he makes through Jesus Christ on the cross. If you are a Christian today, know that God has declared and demonstrated his love for you. And it is imperative that you live your life with this understanding. Everything we do must be done knowing that he loves us. Not for who we are but because he has chosen to love us. Because he has declared his love love for us and he has demonstrated his love for us. If you are not a Christian, God may be calling you to acknowledge his love for you today. Maybe he has opened your heart to taste some of the great love that he has for you. Don't waste another day. Come to Jesus as your Savior today.